You're listening to a Drishti Point podcast. Please visit our website for more inspiring interviews on yoga, spirituality, and wellness. This is Farhan Israeli. You're listening to Drishti Point Yoga Radio. I'm here with Christine Price Clark, who is a well-loved Vancouver yoga teacher and mother. And she's here today to talk to us about the subject of what it means to live your truth and follow a path of truth. Welcome, Christine. Thank you. So maybe we can start by um, by you maybe explaining what it means to you personally to live a life of truth and to follow your truth. I think the first thing that um, comes to mind for me is being wide awake to where you you already are. And that, I mean, for me, that, that didn't necessarily come in the form of um, something that we consider positive. And I, I'm talking about the, the dharma of uh, opening myself to teaching, which to me was one of the first um, moves that, one of the first bigger moves, I think, that I made toward living more truthfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's it. You know, when um, my some of my teachers first taught on satya, mm-hmm. the word within satya, sat, was explained to me as the isness of something. Mm-hmm. So what is? And I think that's the first step. I think being willing, uh, even if it's very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. to look at things as they are, and and to be willing to put you know your your heart, your um, your mind, and your body up against things as they are, and say, is this is there alignment here? Mm-hmm. Not to use a word that's thrown around probably a little too much alignment, but. Um, Am I resonating with the vibrations of these three things in terms of the, the life, the choices that I've made? Mm-hmm. And for you, when you made that choice mm-hmm. to step into your dharma as a teacher, mm-hmm. um, was that, did that involve letting go of things? Did it involve yes. Uh, yes. courage? I mean, what was part of the, that decision that might help other people recognize Similarities in their own. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think first it's important for me to acknowledge that I had uh, I had a lot of support. Mm-hmm. Um, I had support in the form. I had some some financial support behind me in, that enabled me to make that decision um, with a little bit more comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important, I think, to acknowledge that because we don't. We don't all start with that. And sometimes that's a big factor. It's right. a real factor um, to let go of something that, you know, offers you, that already gives you a certain financial backing because we put a lot, of, um, uh, a lot of importance on that and it's necessary to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's important that I acknowledge that I, that I had that to begin with. Um, but I had the, some of that based on the fact that my 
um, my father had actually passed away mm-hmm. a few years prior to my deciding to to teach or to embark on a teacher training. And what I had been doing up until that point was more in the world that I thought I should be in. So more of a corporate world. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working in the realm of something that I love, which was books. I was working in um, literary management. I was the executive assistant to a very high-profile literary agent mm-hmm. and working for a, a quite a large company in a very fast environment in New York City. Mm-hmm. And ever since my father had passed away, I had had a lingering feeling of not being true to to who I really was mm-hmm. in my effort to kind of fit into this mold of eventual literary agent, you know, because mm-hmm. that's what you were working toward. And so I had to begin to let go of the need for things like a business card, <laughs> um, a title, mm-hmm. um, I had to let go of the idea that a job had to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I also had to step into the possibility that I could do something that I, that I loved right from the start. Mm-hmm. Meaning that I didn't have to earn my way to loving it. <laughs> and that's how it kind of felt in the, all the jobs that I'd done before, including um, including the one I, I had prior to teaching was like, okay, eventually I'll get to a place where I'm going to like this. Mm-hmm. You know, after I, after I get through with the, the necessary, um, devil wears Prada like <laughs> experiences. <laughs> so I think that's what I had to let go of was what I thought it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. What I thought my life was supposed to be. And what would you say you gained as a result of giving those things up? I gained the best job ever. <laughs> <laughs> I gained... Um, I also gained... Uh, first and foremost, I gained a greater respect and a profound respect for experiences that, um, that hurt us deeply. And, and I say that because I can trace the root of my decision to teach to the death of my father, which of course was not a positive experience for me, mm-hmm. but his dying, um, I was with him while he was dying. Um, it was about a three week period mm-hmm. and I watched him, um, deteriorate in, in, in mind and body and was with him when he passed. And I, I, I do believe that it's the, the root of the kind of love that I was able to give him. Mm-hmm. And such a profound love because he is who brought me into the world and I got to see him out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe it's the root of that kind of care and that kind of, um, I want to say service, but it's so much more than that. 
because of course there was a, such an intimacy that, that I couldn't even, it doesn't have any, there's no words really for that kind of intimacy of experience. However, I, I believe that, that that experience itself led me to, um, to see that what I wanted to do, that what I really was meant to do, mm-hmm. had some element of that in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So sometimes <clears throat> it's embracing the tragedy tragedies and the darkness and the realities as a part of bringing us to greater understanding of who we are and what we have to contribute. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I think it's hard when you're in them. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that, you know, I, I, I always hesitate to say like, you know, as a teacher, you know, embrace in the challenge that you're in right now, because you don't know the challenges to which you're speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to, to, you know, hold an arm balance until you shake, but it's another thing to watch your beloved die, you know? So, um, but what I will say is that, um, those experiences, if you look back at them, if you look back at them, they will have brought you some more of yourself. And by bringing you some more of yourself, they brought you closer to, I think, the, the spirit, um, the potential in you to, um, to survive something that hurts deeply. Mm-hmm. And to take what you've learned and actually make it a part of then your daily existence. So even the, the act of like somebody, you know, passing for you, um, or, or the deep heartbreak of a breakup or um, even a, an illness that has affected um, you can link you to somebody else. Because mm-hmm. what happens then is that you become the one who's experienced it. So then you become the one who can say to someone, I know you, I, I hear you, mm-hmm. and you really do. Mm-hmm. And you really do. Mm-hmm. So that, I think, it can be the beauty of those experiences. Now, I know that you are a well-respected mentor to many young teachers, Mm -hmm. and how is it that you um, how is it that you help encourage people to to, who want to embrace teaching as a life path and as a professional path and career path? Um, to have the confidence to do so and to have the, um, the belief that it's possible. Hmm. That it's possible to, to, to teach or to be a full time or, or part time or just to teach yoga. Just to teach yoga, to teach whatever yoga. form. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I think if you love it, then there's some essence of the ability to teach it. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. if it, you know, if it, if it's, if it's lit you up, if it's healed you, I mean, everyone has different gateways mm-hmm. um, that bring them to the point of saying, hmm, maybe I could teach this, you know, and for some it's, it's, um, 
it's just that it's the flow of the dance of vinyasa mm-hmm. for others. Um, it's the, uh, you know, it's the, it's the alchemy of like the hot yoga practice of the, <laughs> you know, this, the, the, the tapasya that, um, for others, it's, it's wanting to share their experience of having survived something, uh, depression, uh, you know, maybe cancer, Mm-hmm. Uh, and to and to say these are the tools these are some tools that that I used or that I have seen um, can help can heal but I think it kind of goes back to one of the first things we talked about which is just getting to the truth of it mm-hmm. so sitting and saying why is it what do I want to share if I could mm-hmm. only ever have one one chance to sit with a, a student and I may never see them again and I could I could say one thing to them. What would be, what would be that one thing? Hmm. And I think second to that, that I, uh, that I encourage in the teachers that I work with is as they, as they evolve as teachers, because, you know, I think we all, we all, um, mimic for a long time Mm -hmm. our teachers Mm -hmm. and then at a certain point I think we all reach a place where we start to say hmm my voice needs to come through now a little bit more Mm -hmm. Um, then I ask them to to return to the beginning and say why am I here why am I um, why do I want to share this teaching Mm-hmm. And to to get to get I think clear also with the things that they have been mimicking. Mm-hmm. To be willing to step back and say, now do I do I believe that? Is that still part of my true experience? Mm-hmm. And I think once you do that, once you do that kind of reflection and that kind of inquiry, then you get to the heart of the matter of how you are um, how you are standing in the seat of the teacher. Mm-hmm. And then the confidence, I think, builds from there. Mm-hmm. So it's examining what is true of our own experience and practice and finding a way to articulate that in our voice. I think so. Because as I mean, as I say, I think that I think the, the individual heart contains all the secrets of the universal heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of my teachers will say, um, um, speak of shared experience. One of my teachers, Douglas Brooks, says, no experience is so separate that it can't be shared. Mm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's very beautiful. And, you know, I, I have many questions, but sure. one that I definitely want to ask is, what do you see as the biggest challenge for people who pursue a path of yoga in in the Western world and in the Vancouver community? Um, mm-hmm. The biggest challenge. There are, there are many, but I, I, I think, um, again, it sort of goes back to the first question about just being truthful. I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to um, have to have things a, a certain way. Mm-hmm. 
a rigidity of practice. I think one of the greatest challenges to living the, the, the path is I want to say this so clearly because um, it's, it, it matters so much, especially right now. Mm-hmm. My friends and I have been having this continued conversation about the living yoga. Mm-hmm. So there are times when when we um, we will just not take care of ourselves. That is not do our practices mm-hmm. because they can't because they don't look the way that we want them to look. So we just won't do them at all. And what I mean by that is the challenge of, um, from my own experience, I will say, like my my baby, um, when she was first born, my, my second, she was not a very strong sleeper. Mm-hmm. And I never knew if I had, you know, 15 minutes to myself or possibly an hour or an hour and a half. And there was a, a period of time where I would say, well, I, you know, I simply can't do my meditation practice if I don't have half an hour to do it. Mm-hmm. If I don't have, you know, um, the, the the dishes aren't done or you know, whatever it is. And so, I think, I think the great challenge, but also the great opportunity for us in terms of living yoga, is to mm-hmm. is to um, make our practices accessible and be real about them in terms of the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. So that it truly is a weaving of the practice in the entirety of your experience, even as you live in a fully engaged life. <laughs> and right. that's not to say that that's easy to do, but I think sometimes if we, we step back and we say, well, what can I do? And so what I started to do in, in my experience with my, my um, newborn at the time was say, okay, well, I know that I definitely have 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. So I would say, okay, 15 minutes. And I would just make a conscious choice that as soon as she went down for her nap, I would sit for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so recognizing the fluidity of the form of the practice is constantly changing. Yes, and to evolve it according to, 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 to have it be a conversation between what life is asking of you and your commitment to practice. Right. So that it, you know, yes, you may not be able to get to that two-hour advanced practice that you wanted to get to because you need to, um, uh, you know, have other responsibilities, whatever those may be. Mm-hmm. And I guess that also relates to truth in the sense that reality mm-hmm. or isness is constantly changing, Absolutely. shifting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And for you, you know, I'm sure that the expression and, and understanding of yoga has has changed because the reality of your practice has changed. Mm-hmm. So what stands out for you as um, the biggest part of your practice now? Um, uh, two things. Meditation and mantra. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's become much more of a, um, I suppose in those, in those two ways, much more of a bhakti or devotional practice. 
um, by sheer ex- uh, circumstance. <laughs> um, and I laugh because I, I literally recall years ago um, when I first started practicing and was deeply you know, into my physical practice. I just wanted to move. I wanted to move quickly and, mm-hmm. and kind of fiercely. And, and it was super fun. And my teacher at the time played fantastic music and it was incredibly lively. And she, she herself spoke about, you know, real things. And she'd talk about how she just, you know, I mean, it was a little, it was a little fantastically irreverent. And she'd talk about how she you know, had just had lunch at the W Hotel with a pink cocktail, you know. And, um, and, I, and I loved that about her and about the experience. And so I was really into the physical. And I remember people, you know, commenting on, on, uh, on, on my enthusiasm about it. And I would say, well, yes, it's so great. And we do these cool poses. And um, let me show you. And I'd, you know, bust them out at, at dinner parties and stuff like that. <laughs> and I would always have the caveat that would say, I would say, um, I would say, yeah, I really love the, the, the movement part, but I don't do the chanting or anything like that. I'm not into the, the spiritual <laughs> part. And I, I literally remember that. I mean, those were my words. I would say, I'm not into like, the chanting and all that business. <laughs> and now I, I have to tell you, I can't get enough of that. Oh, yes. I can't get enough of it. <clears throat> and are there particular mantras you chant? Yes. Are there CDs yes. that you put on? Yes. So many. <laughs> so, um, one of my, one of my, uh, right now I'm really into the goddesses. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm really into chanting, uh, to Kali, to Durga. Uh, there are two that I love dearly that I've been chanting a lot. I chanted one last night. Um, some of my favorite musicians to listen to are, uh, Deva Primal, mm-hmm. uh, Krishna Das, mm-hmm. and Shantala, mm-hmm. so Benji and Heather. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I also, and I also love, I also love the, you know, the more, um, the more housey, like DJ Drez and, uh, MC Yogi. (laughs) (laughs) But in terms of my own, in terms of my own chanting, in terms of my own mantra, it's, it's, um, it's more of the, of the choral and more of the the Shantala, Mm -hmm. Krishna Das, Deva Promo, for sure. Yeah. They yeah. sing beautifully. They have so many beautiful oh my gosh. CDs. I personally also love those those three. Yes. And love to start my day just by putting on a Durga chant and Oh my gosh, yes. That's so funny. I mean that's the one and that's the one we did last night in class actually. Yeah. And then a few weeks ago the the Kali the um Oh Mata Kali Kali Durga Ma. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I can't get enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so, that's so great to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's great to feel. Let me tell you that. It's mm-hmm. great to feel. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I love my, I love my, my deep and, and, uh, and sweaty asana <laughs> as much as the next and as much as I always have when I love to teach it. But I really, uh, I really am into my, the mantra these days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as we start to bring this uh, interview to a close, are there anything that you'd like to share about um, maybe about 
yeah, anything you'd like to share in general that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet that is is important in in your life right now and in your practice? I think I've said it, and um, when we spoke about um, the, the challenges for living the path, um, in that I I would just offer to anyone out there who is finding the challenge of working in their practices and um, to not to, to release what it must be in terms of any kind of time period or or even place um, release some of that and give yourself over to to it being more practical more accessible mm-hmm. and more true for for the the life that you have to lead mm-hmm. and I do believe that by doing that it will make the very life you lead, the experience of your yoga. Right. So it might just be tuning into some bhakti chants on your way home from work, mm-hmm. if that's the only time that you have to yes. plug in. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And maybe your bhakti chant is not, you know, is not, uh, is not Deva Pramal or Krishna Das. Maybe your bhakti chant is like, you know... Madonna or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, engage in, in practices that, that bring you deeper into your joy. Um, and also engage in practices that bring you uh, closer to the truth of, of where you are. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a little uncomfortable. That is a very poignant um, point to end on, to embrace practices of where we're at mm-hmm. right now, right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much for your time. It's been so lovely to be with you here. I'm so glad we had the chance to do this in person. Me too. And uh, I look forward to um, having you again on Drishti Point. Well, that would be great. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Drishti Point. We dedicate our efforts to the health and happiness of our listeners and for the health and happiness of all living beings.